Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Open up your Bibles. We're going to look at two different Bible verses this evening. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24, and Psalm 119, verses 116. How to walk with God. We see the scripture here about walking with the Lord, and we see the first person in scripture who walked with God. Now, obviously, uh, Adam and Eve walked with God, but they were in the Garden of Eden. That was a different time. They literally walked with God. There was no sin. They went about their day. They didn't just walk with God. They met with God, spoke with God. It was something that we do not get the joy of experiencing here on earth now, living in the Garden of Eden. Remember, heaven is the restoration of the Garden of Eden. That's what heaven is. So when we go to heaven, we'll be able to walk with God. But all of a sudden, we come along here in Genesis chapter 5. This is what we call the line of Seth. Seth, uh, there's two different lines in Scripture, the line of Cain and the line of Seth. And the line of Seth is the godly line. The lineage. And there was a gentleman here named Enoch. And that's where we're going to pick up. This is before the flood. So people lived a long time. And one of the neat things about this is one of the, I think it's important we remember, Adam lived 914 years. If you look at your genealogy, of the Old Testament and the very first humans on earth, Adam and Eve. Adam was alive when Enoch was born. So there was about 300 years or so there where Adam and Enoch lived at the same time. So this is important because I could just imagine the conversation that Enoch and some of these folks here we read about in Genesis chapter 5, they might ask Adam, Adam, what was it like in the Garden of Eden before you got kicked out? And he could say, well, I walked with God. Here's how wonderful this garden was. This is what life was like before sin. So where did, where did Enoch learn possibly to walk with God? And I believe he learned it from Adam, the very first man. Because there, chronologically, chronologically, they were alive at the same time. So Adam could have taught Enoch what it means to walk with God. I think that's important for us because in many times in our life, it takes someone else to instruct us on how to walk with God. Someone sitting at home watching basketball and playing video games is not going to learn how to walk with God. They aren't. You don't, that's not, those aren't heavenly things that are thinking and focused on the Lord. Walking with God takes someone, to, to someone else to teach you the ways of God. So there's a high likelihood that Adam taught Enoch how to walk with God. So let's read this scripture here. Verse 21. Enoch was 65 years old when he fathered Methuselah. Methuselah is a special person in the history of the world. He holds a record that no human on earth will ever break. 
Have you ever met an old person? Do you know any old people? Methuselah is the oldest man ever. 969 years old. He was a dinosaur, literally. And he lived a long time. His father was Enoch. And it says, this is the key verse. After and after he fathered Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. The key word there is after he followed Methuselah. So that meant the first 65 years of Enoch's life, he did not walk with God. And then he gave birth to a son named Methuselah. And all of a sudden, at that point, when he became a father, he made the decision, I'm going to start walking with God. And it says he walked with God for 300 years. That meant his life changed. At for 65 years, he lived as a lost pagan man. He was transformed at the, about the same time of the birth of his son, Methuselah. And then for the remaining 300 years of his life, he walked with God. And it says there, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So Enoch's life lasted 365 years. Enoch walked with God. That's the second time this is mentioned about this man. This man did something important. He walked with God. Then he was not there because God took him. God was so pleased with Enoch's life, Enoch's walk. He had such a unique relationship with this man. He said, Enoch, why are you even on earth? Well, I'm just going to take you up to heaven right now. Enoch did not die. He just went to go with God. It says he was not there because God just took him. This is all we know about this man. This is a unique story in the Old Testament about Enoch. And then his son Methuselah lived the longest any other human ever lived. And I think what's powerful for us about this is... That phrase, walked with God, is mentioned multiple times, reminding us the importance of that. So for us in our lives, here we are in 2022, we live in a lost world. We have an option, apparently, of either not walking with God or walking with God. So a, a, a not walking with God lifestyle would mean it would be worldly. I believe if we just go about our day, just go about life as regular, we will fall into the trap of not walking with God. There's so many other demands, there's so many other things wanting your attention, there's so many other priorities you feel like are important, they will literally squeeze your time with God. Walking with God requires you to actually daily decide you're going to do it. So you're sitting here in the pew, you're watching online, you're saying, Pastor, how do I walk with God? David also walked with God, and he gives us instructions in the longest chapter in the Bible at the beginning. We're not going to read all of it. It's 176 verses. 
We're going to read the first 16 verses, and he instructs us on how we are to walk with God. So I want you to flip over in your Bible. This will be your last scripture we're going to read this evening. It's in Psalm 119. And this is the instructions of what it means to walking, a living a lifestyle that pleases the Lord. Enoch is someone we can set an example for. He was transformed by an event in his life. The birth of his son changed him. Many times when we have events occur in our life, it might be um, something of a, a child, a marriage. It could be a, a, a move to a new city. It could be something, uh, a sickness, a heart attack, a stroke. Something major occurs in your life and that changes, it forces you to reevaluate, okay, how am I living my life? And then all of a sudden, you're open to change. And I want to tell you, anytime you hear about someone who has had a, a bad diagnosis, they have experienced a death in their family, something tragic or sad, just like what happened there with David sharing about a bad car accident, when something like that happens to someone, they are, oh, there's an openness because they are experiencing pain. And there's an openness for them listening and learning about the Lord. And you have an opportunity to speak biblical truth in their life. In many ways, that's how we change. A lot of times, we do not change until we are forced to or, or we're so uncomfortable that the Lord leads us, we, we have to respond to Him. We have to do, we have to change what we're doing. The Bible's going to teach us here in Psalm 119 about how we are to walk with the Lord. And it says in verse 1, How happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction. Happy are those who keep His decrees and seek Him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in His ways. There it is. The, the, way, the, the way to please the Lord is that we live a life that's seeking after God. You know, the horror of today is how few people are, 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 are seeking after the Lord. How few people around us, there's a spiritual lostness all around. And folks, we need to be sensitive to it. Because it says here, these these people here, they seek the Lord after all their heart. One of, the, one of the blessings of coming to church, every time you come here, you should see new faces. Every single time. I absolutely believe that. If we are doing our job praying, we are doing our job inviting and just letting folks know the doors are open, please come, this place is for you. I believe God, and I just believe it, we will witness God do that. But when we walk in the doors, when we come into His house, we need to be sensitive to the fact that there's likely some people there that for us, for me, when, maybe when church folks been coming to church your whole life, it's easy for me to come to church. I jump in the car, usually running late, kids get in the car, let's go. I know which door, I know which hallway, I know where I'm going to go. I know exactly what I'm going to do. But if you, if God is bringing a new face here, there's many barriers they have to overcome. And one of the greatest fears that folks have when they come to church 
is they're always worried, okay, is anybody going to speak to me, and who am I going to sit with, and where am I going to go? Those are massive barriers to coming to church. Where do I go? Is anybody going to speak to me? Am I going to be sitting by myself? Now, this past Wednesday night, I'm not, going to call, I'm not going to call us out, but we just need to be aware of this. We had a first-time visitor, and the person loved coming. We had our Ukrainian service. In fact, we got our Ukrainian flag right there. So for we got us a Ukrainian flag to remember our Ukrainian friends as we continue praying for them. And we had some uh, just fantastic, we had nine folks from the Ukrainian Pentecostal Church, and it was a powerful service. And they came and visited with us, but uh, we had a lot of new faces come in our church service, and we had this person come, and this person told me afterwards, they were ugly about it, but they casually mentioned, asked them, well, hey, I hope you enjoyed, hope you had a wonderful experience. And they casually mentioned, said, well, Pastor, um, we love the service. I'm so glad we were able to pray for our Ukrainian uh, friends and the folks there, but uh, the only thing is only, they, they just kind of mentioned it in passing, only two people spoke to me. And, you, and Pastor, you were one of them. I guess I don't really count. I'm like a, a paid person to speak to, David. It's like you're, you're, you're the employee. You have to speak to people for that. The other person was not a paid person that actually spoke to them. But the problem with that is when, when that happens, it's easy if someone walks into our sanctuary, our fellowship hall, and very few people speak to them, they might have the most powerful experience with the Lord. They might feel the presence of Jesus touch their heart. They might love what they heard and, and experience the friendship of praying with our fellow Ukrainian brothers and sisters and their suffering. But they walk away and go, well, that was great, but I just, I didn't really meet anybody. Not, not really any folks spoke to me. One of the ways that I have learned walking with God is so much of that involves when you come into God's house, and this is God's house, by the way, we need to be sensitive and aware of other folks that maybe they came here with a heavy heart. Maybe they came here and it was a struggle. They came here hurting because God led them through conviction to get here. And they really didn't even want to arrive. And we have to be aware that every conversation we have, every touch you have with someone, can literally make the difference if they ever return again. That's how important it is to have the ministry of hospitality and compassion towards everyone, especially at church. Folks at church... This is our opportunity to welcome and love all the people whom God has brought here. It's almost like we just have open arms and just walk around. You know, I'm so glad David did to walk around and speak. That, that's actually one of the best parts of the service. We haven't been doing that for a couple of years because of COVID. But just greeting other, other folks, just saying, hey, brother, it's so good to see you. How are you doing today? I know introverts hate that, and they, they, you know, they, they don't like it so much, but it can actually force you to talk to your neighbor. So the Bible's telling us here, there's these people here who seek after God. And I want to tell you, when people seek after God, it's, God's going to lead them to come to a local church. 
He will. A lot of times, by the time someone visits a church, they've already been uh, watching online for several Sundays or several years, possibly. They've been looking at pictures, they've been thinking and praying about it, and this was a bold step for them to actually come. They thoroughly researched everything. Verse 4, look what God's Word says. You have commanded that your precepts be diligently kept. If only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes, then I would not be ashamed. When I think about all your commands, I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Never abandon me. The man, the woman who walks with God is diligent, has an upright heart, meaning they are someone who says, God, this is, I, I, I do this with my feet facing you. I'm doing this with pure motives. There's nothing they have to be ashamed about. Verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? This is a message for us today. We live in an impure world, impurity all around us. Here's how. This is the message. How can a man, a young man, keep his way pure? By keeping your word. That's the Bible. What brings us to purity is following God's word. This is why we are so important for us to be rooted in God's word. It goes on to say, I've sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wonder from your commands. Don't let me wonder. David is saying, God, I know my heart. I know my heart will wander away. There are many believers around us. They have wandered away from God's Word. They have wandered away from church. Just, there's such a worldly desire, that's, uh, this longing out there that's pulling people away. And David is, is calling people back, saying, listen, that's not for you. God is saying, David, you have to guard yourself against wandering away. In that word, all is used referring your heart. Walking with the Lord is something we do not half-heartedly. You're either all in or you're not. If you notice during the SEC tournament, have you noticed the shirts they all wear? It says, all in. Or maybe it's ball in, and then the word, and they, but they, <clears throat> they highlight the word A-L-L is what they're, there's ball in, but then all is pulled out of the side from it. I don't know if you've noticed that in all the game shirts they're wearing. They're bringing attention that their devotion, these basketball players, is com completely committed to basketball. And God is saying, my people have that exact same all-in devotion towards me. The Lord is looking for us. Looking for a church that's saying, are you, are, are you completely committed? Now look here at this next verse. This is the key verse for tonight. This is the verse that we memorize as children. That we, we put on our mirrors. That we, we put in our purse. I have treasured Your Word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. If you have come here tonight, if you are watching online and you are struggling with sin, the solution to the ongoing struggle with sin is taking God's Word, His commands, His expectations for His people and treasuring in His heart. 
folks, many times our treasure, it's money. It's what we can buy. It's currency. And God's saying, your longing, your desire, your treasure should be for me. I am your treasure. That's what the Lord is saying here. He says, when you have that type of passion for God, you don't sin against me. God wants us to get to the point where we despise and hate this world because of what it offers. There should be such a contrast in our life that we are so diametrically opposed to the world that you should be able to see night and day from how a, a man or woman who's a believer who walks with God versus someone who does not walk with God and they are completely different. There's nothing the same. Do you know when I was growing up, I listened to country music. I still sort of do. Sherry sort of does. But I remember, I think it started with Garth Brooks. Sherry laughed. If you remember, Garth Brooks started something what, about 20 years ago called Crossover. It's where he, he started out as this country music star. And then he kind of started crossing over and I guess he became a rock star. I don't, he came out with one rock album. Then he said it was a joke. Nobody quite knew what that was. Y'all, y'all got to know what I'm talking about. And then it was kind of that he was trying to do the country music and then the rock music at the same time. And neither group was happy. The country folks said the guy's not a rock star. The rock star people, they're hip-hop people, that guy's a country boy. This is not, it just wasn't working. And the, God's Word's telling us, for believers, crossover, it doesn't work. You have to be, you, God is looking for people devoted to Him. And it, it's that treasure, the Lord knows our treasure. And he, He's asking you tonight, what is your treasure? Remember the story with Jesus? Jesus says the kingdom of God is like the man who gets a treasure. And what he does in order to claim it, He's got to technically own the land where it's buried. So he goes out and buries his treasure. He found this treasure somewhere laying around. He's like, I want this. But I know if I take the treasure into the city, everyone will know, oh, that's not really yours. You just found it. That's someone else's. So what he does is he gets it and he goes and buries it in a field that only he knows about. It's a secret. And then he goes and buys the field for whatever amount it costs. doesn't even matter what the field costs. He'll buy it for anything he wants. Because once he then legally owns the field, and then one day he's digging in the ground, lo and behold, there's a treasure. Well, look, I was digging in my yard, and a treasure came up. I can't believe it. And I own the field. Therefore, the treasure's mine. Jesus tells us that should be our Christian life. It should be one that we have this longing and desire for. It's, it's, our, it's, it's what we live for. Verse 12, Lord, may you be blessed. Teach me your statutes. The best teacher, do you know the book of John? John chapter 14 tells us the Holy Spirit is actually a teacher. The the Spirit of God actually will teach us truth. If you want to learn the Bible, absolutely need to come to church. Absolutely need to come to Sunday school. But one of your greatest teachers you'll ever experience is God. God will teach you what you need to know. He is a teacher. He teaches us the statutes. You've come here tonight, you're struggling with something, you don't understand something, say, Lord, teach me. I want to know. I want to grow in this area. 
With my lips, I proclaim all the judgments from your mouth. David is saying, God, my lips shouldn't be ones that slander other people, that slander the Lord. Well, Lord, my lips are going are to glorify you. I'm going to speak of you. I rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. Folks, do you struggle thinking about the ways of God? I mean, just think about what we are bombarded with. Basketball, war, the economy. I was watching the news and all they're talking about is the price of gas. I actually, I've never looked at gas stations more than I have the past two weeks probably. Normally I don't sit there and look at every single gas station to see how much is it going up to now. You just drive by every day and you just watch the number just go higher and higher and higher. I want to tell you one day, in my weekly email, I'm going to be telling you about the bus stop right out there. And I'll tell you which bus line. Because soon when the gas is t- $9, $10, we'll be riding the bus to church. You'll laugh, but you know, it, might, it might not, you know, it just goes higher and higher. And the Lord will be, these are things in our life. If we're not careful, they can overcome our thinking. And the Lord is saying to us, God, Daniel, Sherry, You need to be thinking about me. Our minds, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, remind us that our minds are something we completely dedicate and devote to the Lord. He cleanses them and He renews us with the Lord's type thinking, not with the moral filth all around us. Tonight, walking with God, what does it mean? Folks, it means we live a life That Lord, we say, God, I'm going to think about you. I'm not going to get bogged down into negativity, slander, gossip, and all the terrible things that you might feel a weight on your shoulder. You've maybe come to church tonight and you feel like you're just carrying a weight or a burden. And you just say, Lord, I'm not going to carry it anymore. I can't solve other people's problems. Can't even solve my own problems. Lord, I think about you. One of the greatest things spiritually with walking with God is when you can freely let go and say, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever happens on earth, I can't control it. All I can do is pray and surrender it to you. You have to give your children to God. You give your grandchildren to God. You will come to a point where all you can do is pray for your children. You give them to the Lord and say, God, they're yours. I'm just going to be an intercessor on their behalf. When they don't listen to a word you say, your family doesn't listen to you, nobody at work listens to you, but Lord, you will listen to me. Because I am yours and I walk in your ways. That's what it means to live a life that meditates on them. Verse 16, last Bible verse for tonight. It says here, I will delight in your statutes. And this is the next key verse I was going to bring out. I will not forget your word. The Bible tells us the Lord has commanded us and reminds us of the sin of forgetfulness. God restores in our life His word. He plants that treasure in our heart and He's telling us you don't need to forget what I have instructed to you. Maybe you've come this night, this evening, 
And there was once a time in your life where you remembered and you treasured God's Word. You memorized Scripture. You remembered the Bible stories. And for whatever reason, your memory has slipped away. You need to ask God. Says, God, give me that passion for your Word. Have you forgotten Bible verses that you once knew? I want to tell you personally, one of the ways I fill my time more and more is by listening to Bible on the podcast. If you have a, a smartphone, who here has a smartphone? 90% of us just raise our hand. Even people 90 years old have smartphones. Did y'all know that? It's true. They have smartphones. If you own a smartphone, you can listen to podcasts and you can download the Bible app and listen to Scripture only scripture for free all day and night. No reason not to. If there's people around, you put your headphones on. If you can't read, you can just listen to it. If you can't hear very well, you can turn it all the way up. There's no reason not to do it. And the Bible's telling us, I believe one of the ways we have forgotten God and no longer think about Him is, folks, we're just, we're just not in the Word of God as much as we, we need to be. The, the number, from my personal experience, the number one factor of discipleship, if you want to grow closer to God, people who have a daily devotional life, who spend time with God every single day, they read the Bible. They have a quiet time. They wake up, they go to bed. At some point in their day, they're saying, this is my time with God. It might be in the car, might be coming home from work, might be going to bed, but they're going to have a time where they give it to God. And the Lord is telling us, you don't need to forget this. So this evening, I ask you, if you're going to walk with God, if you want to be like Enoch, in Enoch's case, it took the birth of his son. But it should not have to take a life-changing, a car accident, a diagnosis, a cancer diagnosis that changes the way we decide to start living for the Lord. David tells us we treasure his, his word in our heart. It keeps us from sin, and not only that, it prevents us from forgetting about God. So this evening, we want to raise our hand and say, Lord, I want to walk with you. Because I know what's out there in the world. I know where that leads. I know what happens. This week, I was talking to a mother. And her son is addicted to meth. Bankrupted their family. Wasted everything. Out of control addiction. Has already been arrested. Teeth are rotting out. Young man grew up in church. And everything, all he does is lie to his mother. Everything is a lie. He steals money. And they've tried everything. They're asking me this week to pray for her son. And she doesn't know what to do. What do you do in that case? And I encourage her. I pray with her. And all she can do is walk with God and pray and lift up and be an intercessor for her, her son. Because nothing else is working. And I think we have to get to a point say, Lord, when nothing else works, Lord, it's, it's me and you. 
And I want to be a type of man like Enoch that walked with God. 65 years he didn't, but then he got saved and God took him home. And we want to be believers that treasure God's Word in our life so that we don't sin. We don't forget God's Word, as it says. And there's a warning there about forgetting God's Word. And I tell you, that young man, he has forgotten God's Word. He has drifted away from the truth. He has, he has become enslaved to sin and to addiction. And he needs a deliverance. And the Lord can bring it. And they need a breakthrough. And only, only his, her, his, that young man's only hope is to have his mother faithfully praying for him to be saved, for him to be delivered. Because if she's not his advocate, no one else in this world will be. I tell you what, we have a world out there, all out there, driving by our church right now, that needs you and I as believers who walk with God. Walking with God means you or I are going to be praying for people who are addicted to drugs. We're going to be sharing the gospel with all these lost people in our city. And not only that, when we come to church, we're going to be that friendly smile and handshake to that person when that young man does come who's addicted to meth sits in that pew right there. And we're the one that says, young man, we're so glad to see you. Jesus loves you. I'm glad you're here. And he feels welcome. But I want to tell you, if we're not walking with God, it won't happen. Lexington needs members of Broadway Baptist Church who walk with God. Jesus, I pray for the folks here tonight. Lord, we are desperate for a church, a community of people who walk with you. Lord, if we aren't walking with you, that means prayers go unanswered. That means sin abounds. That means drug addicts are never delivered. But my Lord, by our faithful prayer life, our commitment to your word, our commitment to saying no to sin and following your precepts, following your word, we have hope for our family and for our community. Lord, help us be like Enoch. Lord, you loved him so much, you just took him home. He walked with you. Jesus, I pray these words tonight. They will pierce our souls and realize the importance of what it means to be a man or a woman of God and how desperate our families need that from us. Lord, help us have a passion for your word and a passion for answered prayer. Help us be sensitive to the fact that new faces have come into this building and there was a lot of barriers that it overtook for them to get here. And we will be sensitive and greet them. Jesus, I pray this invitation that we will boldly respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Not only do we walk with God, we walk right down the aisle. This is our opportunity for us to respond to the gospel. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. You walk this aisle and take my hand. And you make this your church home. You walk down this aisle and say, I want to belong here. I want to give my life to Jesus. I have.